What's going on? And welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone is staying safe, remaining inside, practicing social distancing, and hope we can kind of buy you some time here with our Monday podcast. We have a great guest for you today. Television voice of your New Orleans Pelicans, Fox Sports New Orleans. That is Joel Myers. Joel, first off, how are you doing? How How's everything going during this tough time? Well, going well. And knock on wood, safe, sound, and healthy. And hope everybody uh, that is listening is the same right now. Because we've all got extended friends, family, whatever it is, tributaries, where everybody's been impacted by it. Everybody's been affected by it. And I'm just crossing my fingers that we all get through it. Uh, what is amazing about this city, though, is the way everybody is following procedure. And I think it's exceptional. Because where I live, there's nobody on the streets. It is unbelievably quiet. And the one thing that we hopefully will be able to do is support our locals. And that's all the small businesses here. So I'm crossing my fingers for that, Daniel, more than anything else. Yeah, absolutely right. I'm glad everyone is uh, practicing their social distancing. That's good that the city is quiet right now, that's for sure. Um, Joel, how are you holding up as far as what are you doing during your time here? I know you're a big documentary guy listening to music. What are what, do you, what are some of the things you're doing to kind of keep the time here? Well, you're right about the docs, and I've, I'm reading books. <laughs> I read a lot of nonfiction as well. So I uh, just finished up one book, which was Phil Knight's uh, memoir, which is Shoe Dog. Very good. And um, in the middle of another one right now. So I could recommend a lot of books, but I won't for everybody to sleep. <clears throat> Documentary-wise, though, I'm kind of surprised when I brought up a couple of people that were made maybe 2012, 2013, that they haven't seen them yet, like Searching for Sugar Man and The Wrecking Crew. And these are music documentaries, easy documentaries. They're not that long. Uh, but they're watching a lot of docs, reading books, and just and catching up on a lot of things Pels-wise as well. So. <clears throat> Excuse me, Daniel, but uh, just looking forward to getting back, and it's not going to, we're not going to get back soon. That's obvious. So it's not going to be normal for a long time. But hopefully we can discuss this somewhat of a diversion. And that's why I think the president got together on a conference call with all the commissioners of all the major sports uh, over just the past couple of days, over the weekend. Yeah, it's crazy that you mentioned that because we're, we're talking about a lot of unknown right now, Joel, and you're seeing things getting canceled and rescheduled. We saw the Masters today moving to November. Um, seems a lot of these things are moving to the fall, but I know, of course, the NBA and some of the other um, sports are trying to get back as soon as possible, but also have to keep in mind the safety that goes along with it. With it. It's just crazy that you know this is week four now of staying at home for us, and it seems like there's still so much unknown about when we might get not only back to normal, but also when we could see sports again. Right. And I think basically, and obviously I wasn't on the conference call, I, I think what the, the president was discussing with the commissioners is the feasibility of putting together some kind of schedule once we get to a certain point. Once the, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, says that we're, we're kind of clearing a hurdle where they've, they, everybody uses the terminology flattens the curve. So I think more than anything else, the diversion of it all, and not necessarily that we don't want people in buildings. That's not what I'm implying at all. But the diversion of it all, say after Memorial Day, that you could get the guys in the gym just to get together for whatever it is, a mini camp, 
But everybody's going to be tested. Everybody's going to be positive. That's obvious. Everybody's going to be healthy. Uh, but get the guys back in. And I'm talking about after Memorial Day. So you're looking at the potential of maybe going to the gym in June. And I'd love to see, for the most part, some games played, not just the playoffs. And I bring that up because the Pelicans were certainly looking forward to. And obviously, there's a bias here. And I'd like to be as objective as possible. But the schedule's not always totally objective because it was front-loaded on the Pelicans. The Pels' first 50 games of the year had easily, if not the most difficult schedule, top two or three in the NBA. So that's why I bring up the last 18 or 20 games the Pels were looking forward to to make up some ground. And they're only three back in the loss column. So the potential of just getting back, playing some games, a diversion, nobody has to be in the gym. And there's the hypotheticals that are being bounced around as well. I know John Hollinger, my friend who writes for The Athletic and used to be in the Memphis Grizzlies front office, brought up the potential of a play-in tournament. So the first six already in the standings, they're in the playoffs. Seven or eight, they're part of 9, 10, 11, and 12 the play-in tournament, but they also have advantages and buys in the play-in tournament. Well, I'd even take it a step further as opposed to a play-in tournament. What about finding out what you could do where potentially take four teams in one building, one city, and four different hotels, obviously, uh, but a back-to-back, and you condense it uh, because you've talked to – I've talked to the guys, you had the – the strike shortened season. You had the 99 season that was short. You had the, the 66 games in 90 days not too long ago. And, and then just see what you can do with a condensed schedule, back-to-backs, make it user-friendly for the players in particular, and, and then find a way. There's a lot of really bright people in Manhattan and, and the guys that put together the NBA schedule. <clears throat> but at the same time, I would like to see the Pels have a chance uh, and not the situation that some have said, well, just forget about the rest of the regular season. Well, there's nothing fair in life, as we both know, especially in business, but it would be nice to see the Pels being represented to the point where they have the opportunity to at least play their way in. So I'd like to see that. There's a lot of different hypotheticals being bounced around, but I I think more than anything else, we're finding out that, Sports is such a big part of our society, a fabric, a part of what we do in everyday life. And that's why I bring up the diversion of. So it's not going to be normal for a long time. And that may be until after Labor Day when the NFL starts. And who's to say that they're going to have people in the stands there, even after Labor Day? That's not what I'm implying. I'm implying that made-for-TV events. So you have games, you have people that can now actually get together with their families, okay, they're already in their homes anyway, and have something to watch. That's all. And I could go on and on with other hypotheticals, but I won't bore you. Point is, it'd be great for the nation. And whether it's it's the NBA, whether it's Major League Baseball, whatever it might be, the PGA Tour, which is outdoor, and, and obviously you don't need fans the same way. You don't need fans for baseball or basketball, but just something to get our minds off of what's going on right now. Yeah, I think that's well said, Joel. And, and especially, you know, we talked to J.J. Reddick on the podcast on Friday, and he definitely, I know he and his teammates are echoing the same thing about wanting at least a shot at the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. So 
They'll be curious to see how this month plays out and what the NBA and the other sports do to kind of see if they can get back as soon as possible. But you mentioned, you know, people are trying to watch sports or rebroadcast. And I feel like the Pelicans and Fox Sports New Orleans have done a great job with re-airing some of the best games from the Pelicans this season. Joel, what, what I've taken out of this is the evolution of this team from the beginning to the end. We're also we were re-airing some on our, our flagship station, ESPN New Orleans, and just going through the pre-Zion going through the 13-game losing streak and snapping that, going on a nice little run, then getting Zion, going through the kind of growing pains of him being in the starting lineup, and then the Pelicans really starting to take off with you know 18 games to go. Have you been seeing the same thing when you're watching these rebroadcasts, kind of the evolution of this team from the start of the season to where we are were before the hiatus? Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I've watched everyone, and I've enjoyed Jen with each one of her guests, and I've been on there, you've been on there, J.D. was just on there, John DeShazer, and just if I'm looking forward to each one, believe me. I've watched a lot of Turner Classic movies, AMC, <laughs> as I said, watching a lot of documentaries and reading books. So I have watched everyone. And the one thing that has impressed me, the, the cohesiveness that is starting to fall into place with the core. And when I say the core, where Lonzo's at the one, Drew's at the two, you're three and four is set for a long time to come with Brandon at the three, Zion at the four, and Derek starting at the five. So you see that chemistry and, and the way they're picking up on little things that each guy likes. And, and I compare it, Daniel, to what I saw when I was doing the Spurs 20 years ago. And when I was there when Tony Parker who came in in 2001 as the 28th overall pick. I was there the next year when Manu Ginobili, 57th overall a couple of years earlier, but didn't join them after he was an MVP over in, in the European League, Ginobili came in the following year, in 2002. So there are really good signs developing, the way the chemistry is developed. And give, give Griff and, and Trajan and everybody in basketball ops, I can go down the list. Um, we won't take the time for that. And I would like to give everybody a mention because they had an incredible draft. With Jackson at the 8th, 17th, uh, Nikhil Alexander and Walker. Jackson Hayes, of course, at the eighth. And then and Didi, who's turning 21 this summer, 35th overall, uh, who played down for the Sydney Kings in the Australian League. So they did an incredible job with the first draft. And then you take into consideration what's down the road for the Pels with the Laker picks, the options and deferrals, and, and then take into consideration. And I brought this up to somebody recently, and it's easy to compare because it's so recent in what they did at Golden State. And, and it takes time, Daniel. You've seen it like I've seen it. And, and when Steph was drafted in 2009, seventh overall, thank you, Minnesota, after they took back-to-back guards, uh, Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. So Steph is taken in 2009. Well, Clay's taken in 2011, 11th overall. And, and don't forget about their draft with Draymond Green in 2012 when he was 35th overall. Harrison Barnes was taken in that draft, too, eventually, uh, going on to the Dallas Mavericks, but played a role and a very nice role his first few seasons in the league. So they did it the right way. So whether it was Larry Riley first, Bob Myers who followed, and I like what they're doing now because I like Eric Castle, and, and they've got their own pick this, this year for the draft. But it, they didn't get their first title in 2015. Take that into consideration where Steph was 09 and, and Clay was 2011, one of the greatest backcourts we've ever seen. Maybe the best, if not the best, shooting backcourt in NBA history. It takes time. And I think we're all patient now that we realize 
what we have here in New Orleans, which is a great basketball community, an incredible basketball foundation. Everything's been planted properly, and now we have the right seeds in place. So they planted Griff with that deal with the Lakers, with Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo coming over, planted the seeds with the draft. Everything is in order now for sustained success, but it's going to take time. So when you bring up, I watch these, and I can't believe how good it's going to be for down the road. Everybody's got to stay healthy. That's obvious. But you can tell these guys are in sync already. And, and what Zion's done in 19 games, and I saw something this morning online where they were comparing him to the early days of Shaq and Charles Barkley. And it was by a former video coordinator, Mo Dockiel. And, and Mo put out this long piece, and I think it was on Bleacher Report, and it's, it's a good read with video accompanying it. Uh, this is going to be great for us. Brandon's already shown he's an elite talent. He's an all-NBA talent, and I truly believe Zion's that as well. So it's not good. It's great what's developing for the Bells right now. Yeah, I think the word you said was patience. I feel like that's a great way to describe this team. And you saw the patience even from this season, from the beginning to where we are right now, and even for years to come. The little Pelicans fans are a little patient. I, I think they'll reap the benefits of what's going on right now. Uh, Joel, well, let, me just say this, let me say this real quickly, Daniel. Yeah. When you bring up the word patience and, and Pels fans, I've only been here eight years now, but the loyalty factor I have seen already from the city and the, and the support, and it goes back, I think, to the sweat equity they also put into the Saints all those years and the frustration, and it all paid off. Well, this team arrived in 2002. So it's not that long to begin with, not like the Saints with 50 plus years. So I just, when I, I started to interrupt, but the loyalty factor of this city is remarkable. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Patience, and you could feel it like I could feel it. The electricity and the vibe, the feel in that building, those last few home games, it was incredible. And you and I, we both know it's only going to get better. No doubt about that. Yeah, you, absolutely. It felt like a playoff-like atmosphere in there um, later on in the season. So I, I agree with you. I, I think fans are are great right now. I think the loyalty is great. I think it's only going to get better um, in time, especially now that we are missing some basketball. And before I let you go, Joel, I know right now it's tough for you not to be able to broadcast games. Um, but you are going to do a little bit of writing for Pelicans.com. So give the fans um, a little taste of what they should expect from you here um, starting with this week and moving on forward during this time. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk with, excuse me, I'm going to talk with Tim Legler, uh, my partner on Sirius XM NBA radio and legs played in 99. And I wanted to start with legs because if they played 50 games and, and some of them were really tight. And when I say tight, like five games in seven nights. So I wanted legs experience on what it could mean to come back <clears throat> and play games in a short period of time. Not that you're going to no more than a back-to-back because they did more than just a back-to-back. And they did more than a back-to-back in the 66 games. And I believe, what was it, the 11-12 season or 10-11? Trying to think. That when they had 90 days in 66 games. So Yeah, that was 10-11, I think, right? Or 11-12. Yeah, 11-12 season. So yeah. uh, there is the potential. So what I'm going to do is basically – sit down, it'll be a Q&A and that kind of format and get some opinions from some experts like Tim Legler, 
that have been there, done that, and just for informational purposes, and then get their ideas on what we could potentially do to get back. And I know it's going to take a while. And it's going to be most likely, I don't think there's any way in the world it's not going to be in empty buildings. It's, it's got to be in empty buildings for everybody's safety. And that doesn't require broadcasters either. They don't want us there. We, they can televise. We can do it on, on a monitor, whatever it takes. That's how much I'd love to see the guys get back on the floor. And as I said, just for just a break in the monotony. And, and not that it's going to be normal for a long, long time, but just to give us a break to watch something after Memorial Day in June, it would be exceptional for all of us to start the summer that way. No doubt about it. I think everyone is clamoring for some basketball, some sports, something um, right now as uh, we go through this. Joel, I look forward to your work. It'll be on pelicans.com and the mobile app, so be sure to look out for that later on this week. I appreciate the time as always, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, my friend. Anytime, and hope, let's make this a regular thing, like weekly even, Daniel. We need it. I don't know if I can talk to you weekly, Joel, but we'll figure out a way to do it, maybe <laughs> bi-weekly. I like, like that. <laughs> I like your honesty, Daniel. I do like that. Yeah. I appreciate it, and that'll do it for today's podcast. You can be on the lookout for the rest of the week. We'll have a podcast for you on Wednesday and Friday as we continue to bring you guests during this time. If you have any suggestions, feel free. You can tweet us at PelicansNBA or at D. Salerson. And uh, we appreciate Joel again. And another rebroadcast will happen tomorrow. Pelicans and Timberwolves from March 8th. For Joel, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.